Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. And we're so glad that y'all are here. Today, we are continuing our study of the book of Romans. So we're looking at Romans chapter 7 through 16. Again, we said this last week. Let's let them look at the board. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, We said this last week. So if you're just new with us, hi, welcome. Just in these big sections of scripture, we just kind of find little, you know, little truths or little principles or verses or groups of verses along the way that we just think are helpful but there's so much in there that you might find that you think is better for your family or your group that you're studying with so um, if you combine this with the come follow me manuals you know you'll just see a lot of people's different perspectives which i think is good yeah super good good. okay so i want to start here romans chapter 7 i really like this because um, paul is somebody that you know i just look up to so much you know, and, and he's just somebody who's just, just a spiritual giant. And he gets to the spot writing this letter um, in Romans 7, um, starting about 14, where he says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal and sold under sin. For that which I do, okay, whoa. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. And it's now, helpful if you put the footnotes in right there yeah. because you're like what even just happened right there um so if you read it with the footnotes it will tell you but what i produce i understand not for what i intend that do i not but what i hate that's what i do right so in other words he just gets that point and then you skip down to verse 24 and you and this is a phrase you find in the book of mormon also where he's like oh wretched man that i am Who shall deliver me from the body of this death, right? Where there are just those times in our life where we feel really overwhelmed by our carnality, by our sin, by our weaknesses. And we're like, wait, I know what's right and I love what's right and I know what I hate, but why do I always do what I hate, you know? Like, I just feel like we all get there sometimes and And really, really get down. To know Paul feels that same way. Right. It's, we're not the only ones who are like, why do I do stuff like that, right? Why did I let myself slip? Why do I do what I don't understand what I do? Right. And you're just like, well, and so did Paul. Yeah, and who and loves that's why it? we need Jesus. Exactly. I love that question. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Next verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, <laughs> right? Where yeah. he's just like, oh, you know, that, that's just the thing. And what's so funny is, you know, this is coming right after he just wrote what we talked about last week, where sin abounds, grace mm-hmm. abounds much more. Paul just wrote that to the struggling Roman saints. And right after he writes it, he starts lamenting about his own sin. It's almost like, and Paul, and, just go back and, yeah. and read a, a chapter. But, you know, we both spend a lot of time teaching, you know, the scriptures and seminary and institute and and you know, firesides in different places. And I always think it's so funny that I can stand in front of a whole classroom, a group of people and, and be really sincere. Um, this has happened to me several times. I am dead serious that I believe in a God of second chances who forgives 
and and who is gracious and, and you good. feel the witness of the spirit in that moment when you're teaching and you just know that is true, true. and then i jump in my car and on my ride home i don't believe it about myself you know mm-hmm. and so it's why we need each other and i love that paul is preaching this message of good news but he still needs reminding of the good news also Mm -hmm. and i just think you're almost like following his train of thought a little bit as he writes this letter and as we move over into chapter eight he starts to talk about something in verse two called the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus that has made him free and we love that phrase of this Mm -hmm. idea of like life in the spirit life in christ jesus that is um, made me free. He's just like, I just immerse myself in that. And like we talked about on the day of Pentecost and different principles about what that is to just be immersed in his Holy Spirit and what that is like. There's a couple verses here in chapter eight that we wanted to point out about, you know, what, what that... we learn about the spirit. Um, it's interesting because we've told you before that it's the number one question we get asked, particularly when we're speaking to the youth is, how do I know if it's the Spirit working? How do I know what the Spirit does? How do I know what the Spirit sounds like? It, it feels like we have so many questions about the Spirit. And the interesting thing is the Spirit is the one member of the Godhead we actually should know the best because it's the one who's with us most often. I was saying to myself on Sunday also, it's so interesting that Heavenly Father sent us the Spirit because we are being tutored by Him to know what it would feel like to live in companionship with God. Because if we can live in companionship with the Spirit and understand the Spirit and and have that member of the Godhead actually with us, um, tutoring us, it's helping us to become what, what we need to be, to be able to live with Him. And chapter 8 is one of the best tutorings of um, what the Holy Spirit does of any chapter, I think, in all of Scripture. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm going to memorize Romans chapter 8 because there is so much good stuff in here. You should do it. It's hard. I keep trying. You could do it in the message. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So check just a couple of verses, but you are going to find more in here. In fact, we didn't even list one of my favorite parts here. We have to sneak it in. But verse 11 um, says this, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We should link this song in the in the newsletter about that. Um, oh yeah, write it down. Um, it's got that line in there that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. That is such a powerful um, promise and like um, declaration of what it means to live with the spirit with us like that is power that is it's the same power Mm -hmm. that rose him from the grave can dwell and live within us and guide us and be and 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 we can have unity and companionship with that that is yeah and i love when he keeps telling us this is life in the spirit yeah and and i was just thinking about today again do you remember when the parable of the good samaritan and it says um, the man is on the road and he's half dead it's such an interesting, because I looked at the Greek, and the Greek really is, he's half dead. It's almost like God is teaching us, there are times when our body can be alive, but we are just dead inside. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's because like we are lacking and missing that companionship, that life in Jesus, this companionship with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
it talks about just a, a little thing. Can we just sneak it in? Yes, sneak um, it in. That one of the things that the Spirit will witness to us um, in verse 16 is that we are the children of God. And you love how it phrases that. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. I love knowing our spirit can actually connect and speak with the Spirit. Um, I love that connection. I love that our spirit is drawn to relationship with the Spirit. And then... It's one of the things the Spirit will testify. Right. And then if children, if we've become children of God, then we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Like, And that's going to kind of uh, tie in, I think, really good to the where we're going to go after um, some of these promises mm-hmm. that Paul is almost giving himself a pep talk for, it seems. But we'll hold on to that uh, for just a second. Um, yeah, the other part we love is in verse 26. Um, and I think this is a powerful lesson on the Spirit that maybe we haven't even considered or we don't often consider. I actually stumbled on this verse when I was really sick. Um, there was four months of my life that I, I was, I've never been so sick in my life. I was in a doctor's office every three days. I can, in fact, remember being at a doctor's office one day when I was sitting there and my doctor was a Latter-day Saint. And he said, I've thought about you all week this week and here's what I want to tell you. Your spirit is fine. There is something wrong with your shell. That's what he told me. We just have to fix <laughs> your shell. <laughs> and I was like, it just was so nice to know that there was something that was actually healthy in me. It was my spirit. Um, and at the time, I was praying so often for answers and for direction. And and how was I going to recover from this place that I was? And I loved that that same doctor told me, um, he knocked on the door once to come in and He walked in and sat down and he said to me, I just want you to know I prayed before I walked in this room because I may not be smart enough to heal you, but the spirit is. Mm. And I just loved knowing that's what kind of doctor he was. And then I was led to read this in verse 26. It says, Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And I just love the thought of knowing sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. We can't figure out what is wrong, what isn't right, what isn't... um, the way it should be, but because the Spirit dwells in us and knows us and understands everything about our shell, right, and our spirit, that um, the Spirit can tell us what we should pray for. And I have had several times in my life where the Spirit actually has impressed upon me something I should pray for at the time that I, I wouldn't have even considered on my own. I wouldn't have even thought of on my own. And I think that is a a unique gift of the Spirit and one that is worth maybe pondering this week for each of us is do we allow the Spirit to help us, especially in the moments when we know not what we should pray for, but the Spirit can actually make intercession for us with groanings that don't even have to be uttered, that the Spirit knows us well enough to to make intercession and say this is what this person needs right now and sometimes He lets us know what to pray for and sometimes he is just giving that message. And as we are in relationship with him, as we learn to communicate with him and listen to him, there is a power in the Holy Ghost that I think we underestimate. In our, <laughs> under, 
estimate in our life. Those were the groanings that nobody knew what they were. Sometimes I will make intercession. Sometimes we come up with our own, <laughs> our own words. That was one. Um, one of the things I think about with this is that you, this one used to give me anxiety because I used to think like, oh, are you only supposed to pray what you're prompted to, you know, to kind of pray? And and then I had this realization one time and thinking like, no, there's just those times when you feel like, I don't, need, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And there are just promises of God that I've forgotten or hope that hasn't like entered into my heart yet. And I think that is... Or the times when I just feel like I'm saying like, you know, <laughs> yes, you know, and it just, I yeah. feel like it just, yeah, it's just those to times have... you just don't know what to pray for. We just don't know what right. to pray for. And I love the idea of having that companionship and that, in that intercession, mm-hmm. it goes right into, we have a couple of lines here that Paul sort of ends like these thoughts with that are really neat where, um, where he just wants to say, oh, again, like almost like a pep talk. For those who are just like struggling through this mortal experience, um, just like Paul is, we're all in the same boat. And he says in verse 28, one of three promises we want to point out. One, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, um, who, for them that, like, that trust him. Um, we know that he can weave our mistakes and the troubles and everything and of this trials life. trials and the and, things that go wrong and what mortality gives us. Yeah, and he can shape them and turn them into good experiences for us. That's number one. Number two is in verse 31 where he says, What shall we say to some of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And that is actually one of my favorite promises from all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's just to know that God is for us. Like he's on our side the greatest evidence of that is is Jesus on the cross. It, like that is evidence that he is on our side, that he's for us, has our best interests in mind. And then this next collection of verses is just so awesome. Um, it kind of starts in verse 35 mm-hmm. where he says, who can separate, what, who, whatever shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he makes a list. Tribulation, distress, Persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Um, how about yeah, down. yeah? How about thirty? How about death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come? Nor height, depth, or any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that he just makes like the most extensive mm-hmm. and expansive list that there is. There's like there is nothing in this world that you could do that you could experience that will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that third one in 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing. Mm-hmm. If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah, it's so right? good. And, and we love, those three things are going to be right here. You can just look them up. And all things work together for our good. If God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. And then this is my favorite part where it says right here, why? Why will all those things happen? And it's because of God's love. And there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. It's just, you love that Paul starts out here and he is like, what? what? Here's my weakness. Here's everything I can't do. Here's everything I can't overcome. Um just oh wretched man that I am. Mm-hmm. And he ends that chapter saying, listen, there's nothing I can't do because God loves me. Right. That's so, I just feel like it's like the end of his sermon, right? Yep. And he is just yelling by the end yep. and he is cheering with hands up. So 
We loved so that section. So encouraging. And it's, and it's, I don't know why it's neat to see that Paul gets discouraged. Like we know that yes. he gets discouraged, but it's just like, oh, me, amen, brother. I feel it. And then, and then just go back into that, that pep talk yeah. that's there. Um, okay, we're going to skip over to Romans chapter 12. Not oh. that we don't like the other ones, but this is... one of your is, other favorite chapters. There's two more chapters we're looking at, and this they're honestly some of your most favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans chapter 12 starts with the word, therefore. He says, I beseech you, therefore. And anytime you see the word, therefore, you kind of want to look like, okay, what's before it and what's after it, right? Because he's saying, so because of da-da-da-da, therefore... Mm-hmm. And he's going to go. So the therefore comes after Romans 1 through 11. So everything I've just taught you, Paul's saying in Romans 1 through 11. All those chapters. Everything, the main message of all that. Therefore, the next thing he's going to say. And the main message of 1 through 11 is that you and I have been, God has saved us in a wildly undeserving fashion. Right? So therefore, what? Because he has poured out his love in so much abundance, you know, upon the most undeserving people in such a radical, wild way. He says, therefore... Or in other words, therefore, sometimes you can switch um, to say, and so now here's what you're going to do. Yeah. That, that's what he's telling you. Because of all of this stuff, if you see it, therefore... Um, sometimes I write, now, therefore, what? Right. That's what I put next to a therefore is... Now what are you going to do? Because you just realize all this goodness of God and his love and his ability to overcome and, um, you know, and save and heal and deliver and all these things. Now that you know all those things. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And this is your reasonable service or um, from the Greek, your spiritual worship. Right? So because he's been so, so good to you, now just give your life over to him, you know, as a sacrifice. And we love that thought of a living sacrifice. Um, We've come off of the Old Testament, right? (laughs) These are people who have come off of the Old Testament. They know what a sacrifice is. And a sacrifice is, has been, an animal that comes to the temple and dies and that is a sacrifice. That's what they know. But this is a young church. This is a new church. This is a church that's wondering how how we worshipped previously was this death and dying. And that's how we overcame sin. And Paul's going to switch that for them here and say, actually what God wants from you now is a living sacrifice. Which would be a novel idea. Back then, they would be right, like, right. what are you talking about? What, like, what does that look like? It would require explanation. And chapter 12 is going to be the explanation of what that living sacrifice would look like. It actually becomes a list of um, what discipleship looks like. You could yeah. you could say that, what the, um, what the life of a disciple would look like. And this, I, I like that. It made me think about... Um, I love this little like phraseology that uh, salvation was paid for by Jesus Christ. That's not what's on the line. But discipleship is what requires your heart, might, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. We're not earning it. It's already been given. So since it's been given, since Jesus gave his all to you, Paul's saying, can you just give your all back to him in return? And here's how you do it. Here's how you present yourself as a living sacrifice. And I love that... Um, what this becomes, um, it tells us at the at the top of 
chapter 12, Paul counsels the saints to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. This becomes a list of how to live as a saint. And I love that recently President Nelson has asked us to call ourselves saints. That's we call, I call myself a Latter-day Saint. And in chapter 12 is the list of what it looks like to be a saint okay. of Jesus Christ. So, so you good. just can go through that and study and like take the list and take time, give time to everybody to we pick out your favorite We want to give you some of our parts. favorites so you can kind of see what are you looking for Okay, you feel and, overwhelmed. And last week I tried to kind of win you over to the Message Bible. <laughs> and so now I want to read you this list from the message just okay. so you know how awesome it is. Mm. Just... Like starting in like... Um, He's going to talk about, Paul's going to talk about, just so you know, um, having gifts according to grace, you're going to use those gifts. You're going to minister. You're going to teach. You're going to love without dissimulation. You're going to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. You're going to be kindly affectionate to one another. Don't be slothful in business. He really is just going to give us this list of here is what it looks like to present a living sacrifice. This is what it looks like to be a saint. Yeah, and because no one knows what dissimulation or abhor means, <laughs> he says that stuff like this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil and hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help the needy Christians and be inventive in hospitality. Mm -hmm. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. It's just like really, really fun stuff. And I and I think it's really neat. We're going to focus on one of the things in there that we really, well, let's just focus on it and then we can kind of like show what is a conclusion of everything. One of the things that we have like grown to love so much over the last um, couple of years is that verse 13 where he says, um, be given to hospitality. It's so interesting because several years ago I woke up one morning and the word hospitality was just on my brain. I could not shake it. It was just had settled there and I was like, what What even is hospitality? I don't even know. And generally when something settles, I'll go to the Bible dictionary. But in my mind, I was like, I don't think there's hospitality in the scriptures. <laughs> like, it's such a weird word. It makes you feel like a hotel chain, right? Um, but I opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, there is so much learning on the word hospitality. It actually was a way of living. It was a code of conduct. Um, in their time, in the time when all of these people were living that they adhered to, like they lived their life by it. So we thought it would be fun to just teach you the hospitality code, um, what that was and um, the principle of that for a saint living back then. And then just talk about what that might look like in our life. So there's three scriptures um, that will just teach us a little bit more about this hospitality code. It was first um, introduced in Exodus, clear, yeah. clear back at the time of Moses and um, the children of Israel. So let's start with that one Yeah, first. so it's in Exodus 23. This is when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and God is giving them preparations for how to ascend Mount Sinai back into his presence. So this is all preparatory things, you know, to have them come into his presence. And one of the things he says is in Exodus 23, 9, 
Also thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing that you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Right? And so he's just like, makes you know what it's like to, to come into a place as an outsider. So when outsiders come to you, remember what that was like and remember how it felt to come in as a, as a newcomer, a newbie, an outsider, mm-hmm. and, and make people feel at home. We love that definition of hospitality that says, hospitality is providing a place where strangers can put off their strangeness, mm-hmm. where they feel welcome and feel, we'll put the real quote into the newsletter. But that's one of the first places where the Lord seems um, to show that and, and to teach it. And you watch it lived out in scripture. So when you think about Elijah coming to the widow, yeah, and and asking for that bread and water, that is hospitality. Abraham has the same thing happen when the two angels come. Um, he's living the hospitality code in that moment. Also, in the New Testament, the woman at the well would have known that hospitality code, that if someone came and asked you for water, that's this code, that's this hospitality where you give, um, because they live in a desert place they live in a place that is unhospitable and so they're required to take care of each other um, we hear about it again in Matthew 25 35 when the Savior says for I was unhungered and ye gave me meat I was thirsty and ye gave me drink I was a stranger and ye took me in that's the code you bring in the stranger um, you welcome them in and then you care for them as if they are your own one of my favorite places that teaches about the hospitality code is in Hebrews chapter 13. It's verse 2, and it says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And that's just, that's what hospitality looked like. That was the code. And so that's one of the things he says, a living sacrifice, um, to live as a saint. After Jesus died, part of that code, or part of that requirement was the hospitality code that they would live but there's so many great things and it's and it's there. almost like so much of that whole chapter describes what that hospitality code is like right because mm-hmm. when we say what does it mean to be a disciple of christ it doesn't mean to keep all the rules to keep our nose clean it means to live and love the way that he did right the two great commandments that he put as equals with each other the second one was to love your neighbor mm-hmm. right the way the yeah. same way that you would that you would love God, right? Mm-hmm. Because God takes it personally. We learned that in Matthew 25, yeah. the way we treat others. Yeah, the way we treat everyone. And and I, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, this is something that I just, like, I feel so passionate about. Um, I, I grew up down in Texas, and the southern symbol of hospitality is a pineapple. And that's because in, in, in colonial times, mm-hmm. pineapples were really, really expensive. And so if you really wanted to honor a guest then you would have a pineapple for them on your on your table when they got it there because it was such a big deal like, people wouldn't even eat the pineapples they actually you could rent a pineapple yeah. and put it on <laughs> the table so awesome? and it was just a sign of hospitality of just like welcoming that person so since then that like a symbol of a pineapple like we seriously have them all over our house cuz the symbol of like you love and take care of people really well even if you have to rent a pineapple to show them that you're an honored guest, that you're an important part of our life. Um, I can't remember if we said this earlier on in one of the videos, but the very first question that mankind asks God in Scripture is in the book of Genesis, and it's from Cain when he asks God, am I my brother's keeper? 
And I feel like that question is then answered throughout the rest of the Bible. Yes, absolutely you are. Mm -hmm. To the extent that you would rent a pineapple if they came over to your house. If you've ever been in Hobby Lobby and wondered why there are pineapples everywhere in Hobby Lobby, why it is such a theme there, it's actually because they are owned by a Christian man. From the South. From the South. Who knows the pineapple represents hospitality. He just knows. So we've got one in our home too. I just love that reminder of this is what it means to welcome. Right. And to love well. Right. Um, We also wanted to tell you this list that Paul gave back then. We actually had a general apostle do this recently. General authority. General authority. (laughs) That was confusing. General authority do this recently in a talk that was given at BYU. It's one of our favorite talks in the entire world. Um, The man's name, I'm going to say it wrong, but is Evencio Buscia. He's German. Yeah. How did I do? Good. Okay. And um, he is going to give a list of just discipleship that is so amazing. And similar, like in vibe, you know, to this one. The name of the talk is Unleashing the Dormant Spirit. Which is such is an right? awesome name, yes, okay. by the way. Um, and we will link you to that, but... In the newsletter, we'll link instead it. Instead of just reading it, I promise what you want to do is go on YouTube. We'll link you here. Someone has put that video, those words, to um, just music. And there have been times when I have woken up and listened to that and, and watched that YouTube video five or six times in a row because that is the person I want to be. Yeah. I want to be the person... He describes. And it legit doesn't get old. Like oh, it doesn't get old. So like it, like it's like thrilling to the soul yeah. to hear it again and yeah. again. So let me just write that down so we yeah, don't forget. Because it's so awesome. Um, you're going to love that. Play it for your family. Okay. Um, and your kids will love it. All your kids will love it. It's going to be good. Okay. Now the last thing we want to look at is Romans chapter 16. And this is going to be weird because you're going to think like why in the world would you think um, that you... Love like chapter this chapter 16, 16 because <laughs> this it's is like, seriously one of also one of our favorite parts of because it's a list you know and if there's one rule about preaching a sermon or teaching a class it's skip the list chapters mm-hmm. except this one it honestly is so rad so what this is and no one's ever taught you this before i promise <laughs> even if you were in seminary we, i think we might be the only people who love it but we <laughs> love it and now you're about to love it as much as we do okay what he does is he really does make a list but he goes around in this chapter and he mentions like just the people that he loves. And don't you just want to like ask, like it's so cool that he's just like in like, he writes this one right at the end of like his third mission. And he is just going through a list of like everybody in Rome who lives at Rome that he wants to send a little thank you to. But who even he better. Loves, and he's going to tell him what he loves about him. And before you even read it, we got to talk about girls camp. We both oh, have okay. done this at girls camp. And um, for both of us, it was one of our most powerful, powerful moments of girls camp. Um, it's that night, you know, when everybody gathers around. It's going to be right before testimony meeting. The fire's going. Everyone's in a circle. And um, we, I, you should tell your experience. I have had the same experience. It was one of the sweetest experiences of my life to just go girl by girl and just say, this is who you are and this is what I love about you. Maybe you've done that in your family before, and if you haven't, you should try it today because there's just the sweetest spirit that attends. But you should talk. Yeah, just just that same thing. And as I was when I was serving as a bishop, and I was just sitting there around the fire, and I thought of this chapter, Romans 16, and I just thought, and I kind of went out on a limb to be honest with you, because I just thought, 
I just think I want this to be sincere. I want it to be just right for my heart. And I just started and I went around the entire campfire to everybody who was there. And I just told them something that I saw in them and something that I just loved, you know, about mm-hmm. who they were. And Paul does that. It's and, so cute. And we, we won't go through all of them, but you can do a couple things with this chapter. One is you could go through and you could list, uh, you could find each of the things that Paul has to and say. And let's kind of show for, them what they're yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for. So he'll, he'll tell you this. He's going to start out with, I commend unto you Phoebe, which in other words, he's saying, let me tell you what is so awesome about Phoebe. That's, and he just starts like that. Our sister and Phoebe, who is a servant. And then he wants to tell you about Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers. And then Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. And um, then there's going to be Andronicus and Junia, who are of note. I love that part. And Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Apelles, who's approved in Christ. And he just goes through. It's people who labored much. It's people who were chosen. It's people who were his helpers. You love that he just goes through each person by name and says, and this is what I love about you. This is what's commendable about you. What if you were to do that right now, just with whoever you're sitting with right now? Just go around and say like one thing, or you can write it if you want to do mm-hmm. something like that. Like this is a fun activity. If you put everybody's name on the top of a piece of paper um, and then just pass them around. You know, pass and around the group and let them write, and then pass. Pass, pass. I also had a really good friend who does this um, with letters. Like he will sit down every Sunday and he writes a letter to one of his friends or somebody in his neighborhood just to let them know something that he loves about them. And, and that and I love that, that so much. And it a... reminds me, I used to be part of a group of women. There were seven of us, and we had a tradition on each other's birthday. Instead of getting gifts for each other, you would write a list of what you loved most about that person that year. And it was seriously, is one of my favorite gifts I've ever been given is the years when they remembered to write down, this is what I love about you. And then they would just list all the things. And there's just something about hearing people say, "Yeah, I admire this about you. I love this about you. I see this in you. And maybe you're by yourself watching this video maybe you're not with a whole bunch of people and maybe you're not in a situation to reach out or or have that kind of an experience and so if that is true we've um put a little box right here in the bottom of the corner i love this box and we just want you to ask yourself this what good thing could the savior say about you right now and that's really powerful to be able to like realize that you know for yourself to just like let him whisper that to you and speak that to you and, and live in that. Mm-hmm. Live in the, you know, and embrace what he does feel and love about you. So there's just so much you can do with this. And I just love that he's mm-hmm. just here at the, like going down memory lane too. Yes. Like one of her memories is like, and remember we shared a jail cell together. <laughs> and remember we just like, and just to think about all of those memories of, of Christian living and just, how they've impacted each other and had an effect on each other's lives. And it's just a, a really neat, that, I mean, that's just really the two great commandments just mm-hmm. coming and living to love God and love each other. And you just love, love the way other. he ends that letter. He's given advice. He's given counsel. He's told him how to live. And then at the very end, he's like, let me just remind you how much I love you. Let me just go through and tell you all the things that are so great about you. It's just such a great ending to a book of scripture. So, don't let anyone pass over Romans 16. Ever again. Yes, it's so good. It's good. That's it, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week. 
This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.